and welcome to Clamp, the weekly podcast where we discuss all things related to creating, living, and making projects. I'm your host, Grant Alexander, and joining me as always is Adam Mackey and Jesse Ratfink. This week, we have a special guest. He is a husband and father first, but before all that, he served his country as an officer in the Army. He switched careers on more than one occasion and eventually ended up making furniture and making online content. Whether it's giant tables, amazing Lego displays, or bad puns, he likes to say <laughs> that if he can make it, you can make it too. Please welcome Caleb Harris. Thank you. I guess that's my, my intro type to say something. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. It's always weird hearing about yourself. It's like, wow, that, that's all right. That, that's me. Cool. Yeah. I want to meet yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. It is it is exciting to have you on the the podcast today. But for anyone who doesn't know you and and that didn't give enough of uh, what you do and and what you, you what you're here to talk about, why don't you give everyone your elevator pitch about who you are and what you do? Ah, oh, man, you already covered it. Uh, I think the only thing that really bears more time is how bad my puns are. Um, that's that's definitely a feature. Really, really, really bad dad jokes and oversimplification of everything, which when you break everything down Barney style kind of lends itself to more puns. Uh, but yes. So uh, I was a short version, I guess of my last story was uh, I was homeschooled, which let me get a early start on things. So went to college at 16 and uh, couldn't afford it. So I joined ROTC and they gave me a scholarship, which was great because then I could stay in college, which gave me a job when I got out of the uh, college, which is great because I graduated in 2008. And I think we all remember how that went. So <laughs> yeah. it was great coming out of college with a job. Uh, did that for six and a half years. Uh, got out for personal reasons, big divorce and, and all that. Spent a lot of time with attorneys. And I thought, you know what? Being a lawyer sounds like a great continuation. Went to law school. And got really neurotic about halfway through and wanted to get my hands on things, kind of discovered content creation, started playing with that, uh, started my business because, you know, when you're doing a doctoral program and have a two-year-old and a newborn and a wife that travels 40% of the year for work, starting a business is a fantastic <laughs> idea. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, uh, a year and a half later, um, you know, the business had good enough indicators. My wife's career was going well enough and, we, and of course we'd been talking about it and i was up in the air because it's coming at that time like okay do i you know prep for when i graduate i study for the bar and then take the bar and do this or do i just focus on the business because why take all that time away from the business if i'm not going to practice law and she said well for what it's worth i enjoy talking to you a lot more when i come home and you've had a shop day than when i come home and you've been at school and i said sold so, nice. which is a, a big guiding principle is just, you know, first and foremost, you know, I'm, I'm a, a husband and father and man. So everything kind of facilitates being better at those. And fortunately managed to land myself in a, in a career that facilitates me being able to take care of myself, how I need, so I can be the best I can for them. And, uh, it also lets me help a lot of other people be better versions of themselves. I like to think providing confidence, knowledge, and inspiration. It's kind of my pitch. I like to, you know, demystify the making process. I think it's really interesting. There, there was this turning point. I don't know when it happened of realizing that everything were around, you know, none of it magically appeared. It's all the product of, you know, not thousands, but millions of man hours of effort, not just labor, but energy that's gone into producing all the systems that makes everything we interact on a daily basis. And I have this uh, philosophy that the only two things we really need in life are food and shelter. And unfortunately in our society, those are pretty much 
side thoughts that we give almost no thought or energy to yet they're all the only two things we actually need and so like i like to garden a lot and i like to make stuff and i'm not saying you know everyone needs to like give up modern society and go homestead or anything nothing like that but just grounding yourself and being you know familiar with the things in your home that you use every day and being a part of how they're made and a little part of your food i think i just think it's good for the soul it's good for my soul at least and so i like to share what i've learned about that along the way it's funny you say about like not getting out of the modern world and stuff. So my in-laws live in the bush and before they used to live in the bush, her um, grandparents went there on holidays and sort of stuff and they never had internet or anything. And there was never any phone, cell reception, phone reception, Mm. whatever. So every time we went there, we were completely shut off and it was amazing. We always got that. Like we actually hung out and did stuff and now they got internet there and stuff. And like we go there and it's, it's just not the same as when we used to go there when we were younger. And it's, yeah. it's so, I miss that like turning off even for a day or two. It reminds me of kind of being a kid when the power goes out and it's out and, yeah. and then there's that moment of like, Oh, you know, whatever we were doing is now interrupted. We got to pull out the candles, but then it's like, Oh, we actually like pulled out the cards and board games and actually all got together yeah. as a family. Cause there were no distractions anymore. The only time I've ever played monopoly with my family was during ice storm 98, which was <laughs> an ice storm that came through like uh, Eastern Ontario in like, just like, it was a crazy ice storm and we lost power for like a week. Oh man! And it was the only time we played. Like they bought me Monopoly, and they wouldn't play with me. Oh. Right? Like, and Monopoly is a shitty game. It's one of the worst board games. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's a yep. horrible, horrible board game. But as a kid, you don't know that, and you just want to play the game. And they wouldn't. And it was Star Wars Monopoly, and I don't even know why they got it for me because I'd never seen Star Wars. But, <laughs> uh, That's amazing. So we wanted to have Caleb on here to talk about kind of like the pros and cons of choosing content creation. And I think even Adam made a great point about like, that's one of the the cons of choosing content creation is you're choosing something that then feeds into this, this, uh, you know, society we have where we're kind of like addicted to the internet. And so are yeah. you part of like this thing that you're like, I feel this whenever I make it, I make a reel every single day. And I just go like, am I part of this problem? Like, I don't <laughs> want to look at my phone very much, but I'm producing content for other people to do it. And uh, I wondered what, what what are your thoughts, Caleb? Oh man, wow, way to just walk me into a minefield there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so like, yeah, you know, and it, it's I. This is a word or term that gets tossed around a lot, but it's sort of slippery slope, right? Because in and of mm-hmm. itself, these are all just tools and is how you use them. But then we also realize that some tools are far more prone to abuse due to just how our brains work and the mm-hmm. way dopamine works. You know, there's some tools that lend themselves to abuse, like social media and the internet. Um, but that doesn't mean it can't be used for good. Like, um, I can't tell you how many, my kids are a great example. My youngest especially is an incredible artist with what he draws and paints and stuff. And he's interested in that. And that has never been like, never been my forte. I've even spent intentional time trying to kind of get good at it. But he grew up in a time where I was like, oh, hey, well, let's just 
YouTube. So I was like, I make YouTube videos. Maybe someone makes YouTube videos about art for kids. Literally, that's the channel, Art for Kids. Yeah. And it's amazing. And it's his dad who's some crazy artist. And he sits down with his kid and walks him through drawing something. And like, they make these amazing things. So, you know, on the one hand, it's like, you know, we're limiting screen time and have to mess with them, make sure we find a way to regulate that. But on the flip side, it's also like, uh, my eight year old learned how to solve a Rubik's cube. Like, well, we both did because he couldn't quite get it. So I watched the video and learned it and then helped teach him. But it created this moment where, you know, it facilitated bonding for us. So it's one of those, if you can use it responsibly, it's fantastic. If you don't, well, we think we're all aware of the potential dangers and harms of over consuming social media. But yeah, that's, it's definitely what well, paradox is what I've been thinking of. It's a little bit of a paradox, like, but I, I'm in the group of, and, and this is definitely a group and category, right? Like my job in making videos is not to make a video that makes someone want, want to watch the next video. I want to make the video that makes you want to turn off your computer or wish you weren't at work and could turn off your computer, you know, and go, go work on something or solve the answer while you're at work, you know, thinking about what, well, can't wait till I get back out into the shop this weekend, but I'm so aggravated that, you know, my tabletops are never flat or my tabletops are splitting, or I don't know how to attach them or how do I get my plane set up or how come my machine, I'm just not getting the results off my machines I want. You can have that nugget. So then when you do get out there, you're equipped, you know, you have that knowledge and hopefully you're feel a little more confident and inspired to go back out there and tackle that. So, right. In, in thinking about the inspiration, I had a message, like a comment on a video today where a guy said, I was able to fix the awning on my trailer because I wouldn't have been able to do it without your video. I just went yes. like th- those, those comments are like, they make you want to make more videos. Which yeah, I love is like feeding the beast, but I definitely like those are the co- like they're much better than the millions of comments I got on the stupid like hammering silly video I got you know. But like this guy was like, I ordered the stuff you told me to order, and it wasn't even like Amazon links. These were just like I gave links to a place I ordered stuff. Didn't get any kickback. The guy ordered the stuff. He was able, he made the thing and he ordered it in a different color. And he said, now it's even better than before because it color matches my trailer. I went, that's amazing. That's wonderful. I wish I had thought of doing that. Awesome. Yeah. And I love that. That's what I love for is, you know, the videos that break that down. And and I like to do things a little different. Like tool reviews are obviously really huge. Um, and, And YouTube, everyone does tool reviews, but I always hate the tool reviews. And I'm not a brand loyalist and I've, firmly believe that, Hey, uh, just get a tool that does the dang job. I, I suck at tool reviews because I'm like, they're all the fucking same. Like, what's the difference between these things? Do they all spin the bit? Then they all spin the bit, like whatever <laughs> hey, just use it and go do the job. Um, sorry if any of you are like deep into tool reviews, but so when oh, I, no, do- I, I've never, <laughs> <known>. Grant just <laughs> hates priority. <Prairie Bee. laughs> so like I, 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 but I've done some like, Oh, which tool to buy is how I lure, lure people in. And I did one on nail guns specifically like finish nailers. And uh, I've gotten so many great comments on that uh, and a few haters of like, oh, I just wanted to know which brand's better. It's like, well, I told you at the very beginning, that's not what I do. But at the end of this video, you're going to know the difference between a 15, 16, 18, 23 gauge nailer. When do you want to use each one? A few tips and tricks for each, pr- uh, you know, battery versus pneumatic, how to oil them, what size nails to use, what projects work best in. And then you can go into that store, look at all those nail guns and find the one best for you. And I wish I'd watched that before I bought mine because what I did is I went into the store and I saw one did nails and staples. And I said, well, that sounds amazing because it does both. (laughs) 
And I said, instead of buying two, so now and every time I do a nail, it has a staple-sized like punch hole because <laughs> that's what it because it's got a it's got like the the hammer that comes down and then you know puts it so i really wish i had thought about it and i've told everyone and i don't do tool reviews but i told everyone who's looking for a nail gun i say it's you you think this is a great idea but it's a it's just a staple gun that can also do nails so it just screws you up yeah buy if you want a stapler that can do nails sometimes get it if you want a nail gun that does staples don't get it <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and I never use staples. It's all about nails. But I was like, oh, just in case I might want to use staples. It's funny. Um, you're talking about like the modern world and all that sort of stuff. Like got everything you said, I could relate to so much. Um, a lot of why I don't post much is because I saw it in myself, but also my wife picked up on it a lot that I was always on my phone. Like every time I'm doing something, it's like, why are you on your phone? And it's like, well, I need to get pictures or I need to post or I need to record something. And like, I'm just constantly on my phone, like addicted to my phone. And even to a point now where I, I can't get rid of it. My son's doing a project at the moment where he has to research about an animal. My wife's like, all right, let's go to the library. We can hire some books and rent some books and stuff. And you can do your research on that. And I'm just like, just Google it. <laughs> like we don't need books. Just Google it. Right. But like he wants to, he wants the books. He wants to do the research. He doesn't want to just Google it. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's so weird. Like I'm, I'm glad my son's like that. Like, you know, you go somewhere and he's the kid sitting on the sideline reading a book, not playing on an iPad or whatever, but like <laughs> I'm the one that's playing on the iPad and it's, yeah. it, I don't know. Content creation's definitely thrown me that way. Yeah. No, it's funny. I've kind of gone the other way with it because of that. Cause I spent so much time on it. And I think one of the things that helped is my social media has been very business focused. And personally, I just, I kind of detest it. So if you like ever go, if you're friends with me personally on Facebook, I, all my posts are just stuff. My wife tags me in <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and, and anything, right? And, and politics. No, no, you know, you won't. Well, maybe once every other year or so I might throw out something. Sparky, but. You throw out something about there's more than two parties. <laughs> yeah. I think I did that one. <laughs> but yeah, that's my personal. And then I, I don't even have a personal Instagram. I just have my business Instagram. Uh, I don't have a personal Instagram either. And a great, a great Instagram strategy, I can tell you that I've learned is don't post. Because when you <laughs> don't post for a long time and then you come back and post, they, they want to like, you know, get you hooked again. And so it does really, really well. So if you just never post, your posts will do quite well. <laughs> You also, as soon as you post, everyone gets a notification that follows you that you posted. Hey, this guy posted. He hasn't in forever. He's yeah. not dead. Go yeah. check it out, right? <laughs> or maybe he did die and this is the obituary. I don't know. You should go look. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that recently happened. Oh, sorry to hear that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's, it always will be. But, yeah. uh, yeah, know, but it's, it's all good. Dark humor is good times. Um, so, okay. We've talked a little bit about the cons of, uh, of content creation and, and kind of feeding this like thing that we all can agree, maybe not the most healthy unless you use it in the responsible way. But what are some of the pros? Uh, Cause you talked about being uh, a, you know, a husband and a father first. Uh, and, you know, part of that, what we were talking a little bit in the pre-show about it, but you know, something that you wanted to leave your career uh, to prioritize your family. And, yeah. You know, tell us about that that decision making process. So and 
I thought about this when you pitched the topic to me, and it was really hard to separate right pros and cons of content creation versus just pros and cons of being self-employed, if that makes right. sense. Of course, there's all kinds of versions of self-employment. So, uh, you know, whoever's listening, bear that in mind. I'll try to stick to content creation, but a lot of this just, I think, applies to remote worker self-employment in general. Well, I think I think it's actually something that we can go into a little bit later of you're not just a content creator. And no. right. So that's something you have a physical, you have a physical business that I can't like the table guy or something like that. Yeah. So that, yeah, uh, we can go since you talked about the decision-making process. Right. So I was in law school and fortunately I was able to, because it was about halfway through, I'd finished all the, you know, we're going to shove all these classes down your throat. Now you got to pick them. So I got to pick all my classes around being a potential content creator. So got to dive deeper into tax, um, intellectual property <laughs> law, contracts, you know, all the kind of stuff you want to know if you're running your own business and some, you know, that were relevant to content creation. Well, to stand up a, my business, what I realized uh, first off is that furniture is far more lucrative than content because there's definitely this tipping point with content where you have to have the volume for it to become profitable in any way. Right. right. And, and really it's not even the volume for uh, AdSense because AdSense, uh, there was a time it was good and now it's not. Um, sponsors are really where income is, but in order to attract sponsors, you have to provide value, which is really volume. So you got to get enough eyeballs because why is someone going to let alone give you something, but actually pay you to talk about that if no one's going to watch it and then no one's going to buy it. That's not a deal for them, you know, which goes into the whole, oh, you get everything for free. It's like, no, I worked for free for three years to build up a service <laughs> that companies want to compensate me for, you know, eyeballs is like free would be giving it to you because they get nothing out of that deal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah. I, who is what's going on? Who's watching what Shopify? Sh who's <laughs> watching Shopify? Is that Jesse? What in the world? <laughs> that was weird. Oh, apparently I hit the space bar and had a video up on it. I thought, I thought someone had ironically like started playing an ad. Shopify's headquarters is in Ottawa, where I'm located. Oh, nice. yeah. So. You know, if Shopify, if you're listening, which <laughs> apparently you are, uh, reach out to us. But yeah, so in we, want to to, we want to take you because we have Patreon, so we don't need sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in trying to set up my channel, you know, branding was a big deal. And I decided to go for you can make this too. But I also realized, well, to get this going and to fund it at all, um, if I can sell furniture, that would be great. So I actually did some trade shows and everything. But I realized pretty quick, you can make this too does not really sell. Pay me a lot to do it for you. And so I was like, I need a second brand. And so the custom furniture guy is my, you know, my custom furniture brand. And uh, clearly I like really, really clever, subtle branding. Like you can make this too for DIY videos and the custom furniture guy for a guy that makes custom furniture. Uh, but right. speaking of, you know, that actually works really great for Google search results though. Cause when people search oh, custom gosh. furniture and the custom furniture guy pops up, you know, hopefully it helps. And yeah, so uh, my business is generally teetered around 40 to 60% kind of bouncing between on what year, which does better, but it's really far more the commission work that has enabled me to keep going than the, the content, but they feed each other. Cause on the other hand, content has also brought me 
quite a few mm-hmm. commissions and has helped equip my workshop, you know, with tools that I don't have to outlay cash for because I can use the all the time I've invested in building an audience and turn that capital into um, tools and equipment. So that's been interesting. Um, and that's what kind of why I have the two different brands. But as far as the pros, like just being self-employed and especially content creation and in the DIY is um, our house is pretty badass <laughs> in terms of the furniture, <laughs> right? Because my wife gets to say, hey, you know, we moved. Uh, I'd really like a coffee bar just for this spot for a coffee and a dining set yeah. and everything. I'm like, that's awesome, babe. Uh, I can totally make a video. I can sell plans. It'll probably only take me like two years to make it. Uh, <laughs> you know, well, it's, it's so like, nice that you put it out there because I usually say that's like a weekend project. Oh yeah, well no, that, see that two years that, she gets it. She, so she knows when I say, oh yeah, that'd take me like a week. She never, I never say when that week is going to happen. Uh, <laughs> that, that's the, that just keeps like yeah. I said it was a weekend project. I didn't say it was this weekend. Uh, yeah. um, what you were saying before about trying to differentiate between um, content creation and it being and business, right? Mm-hmm. Is a, what I think a lot of people think is a pro, but actually is a con that they don't realize. I think a lot of people think that being a content creator is easy and doesn't take much time. And you just take a couple of pictures, put it up there and you're making bank, but they don't realize how much time you actually put into it, which you actually have to treat it like a business. It takes a lot of time. It takes like pretty much all of your time to to make that money that you're going to make from it. Yeah, and I haven't put this out anywhere. But the ironic timing of this is uh, due to just that. You're going to start seeing far less content from me for just that reason because uh, it's it's a tough content creation, especially well any of them. But I'm most familiar with YouTube. Mm-hmm. The, the unique challenge is the, the system is always changing. And whether that's, you know, there's someone sitting behind a computer, bop, 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 you know, screwing with the algorithm, as they say. Or if it's just machine learning that's always kind of moving with the trends in how people consume content, which content in this form is only really a decade old and super new. So of course it's going to be going through really quick evolutions as you know, we shift from, you know, though that's cat videos to people who like, Oh, I don't even watch Netflix. I go to YouTube for long form content. Like that's just mm-hmm. what that's I same. watch. Yeah, that's me. The, the end, you know, <laughs> right? Like movie, what? You know, YouTube, <laughs> like just, that's where I go for content period. Um, you know, from, Oh, two minutes. That's really long to, Oh, I put on YouTube when I hop on my elliptical or my rowing machine. So I want a 40 minute video. So I don't have, I want to look for a new video every five minutes while I'm working out. That's distracting. Um, and so that's always changing, but with, so, but then your content always has to evolve likewise. And, you know, it can be deceiving when you hop on that homepage and refresh it as many times as you want. And it's always filled. (laughs) with bangers but youtube's only showing you the bangers because they have like what a year of content uploaded every day or something stupid it's ridiculous so yeah they they are filtering down to you know tiny fractions of a percent of the the content that's posted and recycling it and veritasium has done some very good videos on this where basically it's created this ecosystem of sensationalism in order because 
to be successful on YouTube, you have to be able to do quite a few things. First and foremost, your videos have to be good and engaging. And that in itself is an art form, right? There's a reason why film schools exist, and that's a whole other conversation. But there's a reason why they exist. That That is a whole art form that people dedicate their lives to um, perfecting how to tell a story. And right. um, besides that, presentation is also an art form, how to convey information concisely to someone in, in a manner that they can understand with no knowledge of their level of understanding coming into a subject, right? That's a, another art form. And then acting is another art form. And then videography is an art form and photography is an art form and storytelling is an art form. So those are all these different skills you have to learn just to make a good video. But here's the thing. Um, it doesn't matter how good or even bad your videos are. If no one clicks on them in the first place, right. and that has everything to do with your thumbnail so much and title. Right. So it's like, and, and that's why sadly there's a lot of really, really good channels and exceptional content that never gets seen because they don't know how to package it in a way that is sensational enough to get people to click, which is like, uh, Grant, I remember this is, uh, you, you tagged me, did a clampendation on uh, my dust collector video, which is like yes. when I did that video, I was things like, I know it's like, it was one of the rare times, like, I know exactly how I'm going to thumbnail and title this is going to be so damn clickbaity. I'm going to hate it, but people are going to watch it and go see how that's performed against all my other videos lately. Right. Like, <laughs> so that brings up something I am curious about, how do you keep up with current trends and all the different, you know, sort of visual styles that people are using? Do you consume a lot of DIY content in addition to making it? I used to. And there's this thing, I think you get burned out on it. I, I don't think there's any woodworking channels I even watch anymore. Like I've slowly, slowly mm. like petered out less and less. Um, and probably because I'm doing like the pull and pull house right now, like uh, Perkins Builder Brothers, they like build as a construction crew that just builds houses and they have a really cool YouTube channel. So I've been watching them and they're about my only YouTube I've been consuming for a while because it's just and that's also a channel I would love to have because if you've ever been around construction, it's like the shenanigans and the personalities are always so fun and interesting. I would love to do that in a wood shop where you have like a full wood shop with a half a dozen crew and someone just really doing like you know, uh, what they call it a mockumentary style, like just cameras yeah. everywhere doing it. And they kind of do that anyway, that's off, but I don't, I don't keep up with the, the trends. Um, I kind of did. So in my evolution, the first thing I did was get an editor as soon as I could was hire outsource my editing. I was like, I'm not super great at this. I like my style, but this is the easiest thing for me to outsource, especially cause I outsource it remotely to anyone anywhere. And it would be my biggest time saver because I was really slow at that. No one else can record uh, my videos or be me or plan my projects or should go shopping for me, but anyone can edit for me. So I did that. And then uh, I tried a thumbnail service for a while that didn't work, but then I brought in a camera guy. And when I brought in a camera guy, I was like, oh, now I can start because I really enjoy making videos and playing with camera and doing like, you know, recorded effects and in camera effects and, and fun montages and, and all this stuff. And with a camera guy, it was a lot easier to do that. Um, problem is my yes. channel started dying and looking back, oh. I didn't realize I got more into making videos. I liked that were fun and started making like really crappy videos. And no one told me 
I guess they did because they stopped watching. <laughs> but but yeah, looking back, it was like, you know, the sad thing is like, uh, it depends on what lens you look through, right? Because I watch them like, that's such an awesome video. I really love it. And it's fun. But then I'm like, okay, how quick did I get to the point? Did I deliver immediately? How many, How fast were the dopamine hits? What did I teach you? What did you take away? Was there value to the viewer? And how fast? Yeah. I, I feel like I've watched a, I watch a lot of content, but there's a, there's a guy that we all know, Bob's Wood Stuff, and he has made some amazing videos that took a long time, and the editing is like cinematic and amazing. Like he did this like Dune wood carving. It's probably one of the best wood carving videos. But I think he he like I, I don't I think it's the the same thing you're saying. Like he made a video that he thinks is really cool, and it is, but. Is it really great for the audience? And I think that's a, a big thing about content creation that people don't get is that they don't get – you're not making videos for yourself. Nope. Because the videos I, – I, I subscribe – every day I subscribe to less and less people because I realize I want to watch certain videos, so I subscribe to them. And people who stop making videos that I like, I stop <clears throat> subscribing to them. Mm-hmm. But it, And I'm sure there's other people out there like me, but I'm not making videos for me because I am very particular – Right. Right. In the the real world, I need you know, you gotta make your videos different. And that's probably why I haven't edited a video in months. It's because I don't think I know what would be good. Yeah. Mm. And and that's tough because it's like if you want this to be a career, you need to have a fairly large engaged audience. To have a large audience, you have to make videos for a mm. large audience. And that doesn't necessarily mean be, you know, like a sellout or anything, but you have to come at it from a different frame of mind. Right. And and this gets talked about at WorkbenchCon every year, all the time. And and I didn't realize I was doing the same thing differently, badly, but like how many small woodworking channels do you hop onto? And the first three minutes of like a 12 minute video is, Hey guys, sorry. It's been a while. Uh, let me tell you about my sick dog. Right. And it's like, you know, if we're friends and I just watched this cause I like you, that's cool. But if this is the first video I've ever seen in your channel and I came here because you're going to tell me how to make a moxin vice, right. I don't want you to spend a third of the video. telling me about how you haven't made a video in forever, which I didn't even know. Cause I've never watched you before. Right. Let alone whatever's going on in your life. Like just show me how to make the damn thing. It's actually a really good point because there's a couple of people I've watched that have been making videos for years and have a huge following. They can make those kind of videos because they have the people that have been engaged in their life for so long that they do care about what's going on personally. But then like a new person that they've never seen, they don't like people that don't care about that. Like you said, if you've got that big following, you can do those sort of videos. Exactly. That makes sense. But, and, and you can, whether you should, is is a different story. It just depends on right. how you want to engage with your audience. But like uh, one yeah. of the things I took away is Mark Rober. He made the point years ago uh, that was really good. I, he said, don't make videos for your existing audience. Make videos always for people who've never seen you before. Because right. every time you watch one of his videos, you've realized that in the first few minutes, right? He always introduces himself, but never the same way. And it's always quick and it's always brief and it's always nested in. So it's like every one of his videos is made for someone who has never seen him before. And he's the golden boy. <laughs> he absolutely is. And honestly, he is one of the only makers that I like actually will watch the whole video and really enjoy it because he puts everything into context and he's not giving you extraneous information. You know, like I... I think that's part of why I am a little weird about YouTube and not as uh, 
prevalent in watching videos there is that I feel like people get very personal very quickly sometimes. And I just came here for like to see you hand sew some cool stuff. So <laughs> why why do I know all of these things about you? <laughs> yeah. so, I, early in my YouTube making, I, I was like – I don't want anyone to get bored on my channel and unsubscribe. So I'm not going to give away all of my tips in the videos. And I'll just, every video is going to have one of the tips. And that was like my thought of like my hundred subscribers are watching every video. <laughs> right. And, and they're going to be bored if I tell them the same tip in two different videos. And I later realized that's different people moronic because no one no one is watching you could say the same tip in every single video and 90 percent of the people who watch the video have never heard that tip before yeah just learn to keep it brief <laughs> yeah exactly so i know i've talked about them before but one of the big channels i watch sidemen they so like the for the for the current subscribers i don't think it just has to be about like your personality and your life and stuff so they're all about like making like the big video. They want to get new subscribers and all that sort of stuff. And then every now and then they do hide and seek videos. They literally just play hide and seek at a different place. And they like, cause I listen to their podcast and everything. And they always say that that's for their subscribers, not for not trying to get in new people. Those videos, they're a little bit of a cop out. Like they didn't have enough time for whatever, for that week to get everything done or whatever. So like, it's like, we're going to do a hide and seek. But they do those before their current subscribers because their current subscribers enjoy those videos because they're more personal. And I thought that was interesting. Right. Yeah, that makes sense to, you know, split your content and have your, you know, for for the existing audience, the loyal audience, and then for the uh, the outreach videos. And I've seen lots of strategies where, you know, you have like three tiers of projects. You have your hero projects, which not just woodworking, whatever it is, which is like, you know, the big videos that might take months or longer mm -hmm. to plan and commit. And then, you know, your, your quote viralish, which may not be the biggest, but the more, you know, catchy clickbaity, uh, I know exactly how to frame. This is really going to, you know, instill, um, beg a question when people see it, they have to have answered or, you know, yeah. um, mm -hmm. make them afraid. And then just the, you know, the grind for the, the loyalists to keep them involved. Well, I mean, to take it back to the, the maker side of videos and stuff, I know, a lot of people used to do it. I know I know some people still do, but where they'll make a full project, but then make individual videos within that project of well as well of like different things. So it's like I made this cabinet with these doors, but then they have a video specifically just on those doors. And then but then there's a whole video for the whole project right. where they're not well, actually getting into did. the full detail. Yeah. That's what I did with my my trailer restoration video. Yeah. Is I think I did like five videos that were separate videos on how to do something on your trailer, like the, repairing the awning, putting a hole mm. in the side to do a cargo area. Yeah. Um, right. I did a bunch of different videos and then they became part of the full restoration video. And I think that's an mm. interesting concept, but I, before, because we, we're, we're running a little, little long, well, not that long, but we're running a little long. I wanted to ask Caleb one question before we move on to anything else is do you think in 2023 that content creation is a viable career for the average person? Mm. If you like, 
If you like what? If you like to eat ramen. Eating ramen. <laughs> nice. Yes. Well, also it depends. So, uh, right. I, anyone who asks me, I'll be very transparent. My, my secret to being successful as a content creator is uh, having a breadwinning wife. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. But I mean, aside from that, I've, I have had several very, very good years, right? We, we live in this house where, you know, consumer debt free own all of our vehicles and all that has been, um, actually due to commissions, not content, but, uh, I have had quite a few lucrative commission or, you know, content that's d- done well, but, uh, it can be very, very finicky, like any self-employed businesses, but I feel content creation, especially, because uh, I forget who was, I saw a video the other day, um, one guy who was planning on actually quitting his job this summer and focusing just on um, whatever product he makes and sells and, and his content associated with it. Uh, but Instagram decided he violated violated their community services and deleted his account. And that's oh, where wow. like half of his business comes from. And it's just right. gone. So in November and December, Facebook was popping off with reels. Yeah, and they I shut mean, that down. So the bonus shut down, but I wasn't making money on the bonus. I was making money on ads on reels, which is still going. Yeah. I made uh, $12,000 in two months. Nice. Which was ridiculous. Yeah. It was en- enough money that I went, if this continues. Something. I I could think about quitting my job. Which yeah. I work for the federal government like – it's I might quit money, right? Like yeah. it's a nice stable job. I could it's gotta be really ridiculous to to do it. And then guess what? Mm. The last month I made fifty dollars. Yeah. And I've been posting every single day. I did nothing nothing changed other than Facebook. The Facebook side changed. Like they they got rid of the bonuses, but that's a whole separate thing. But they stopped pushing reels because and more people saw it, so more people got involved. Right. Everyone mm-hmm. saw the amount of money idiots like me were making and went, I, I'd like to make that money too. So there's more people making content. So it's the same with like AdSense used to be a lot better. It's yeah. not as good as it used to be. Well, that's because yeah, there's more people there's making more videos. Content. And and, there, and there's more people making really good videos and right. who also yeah. have their thumb on the how to get people's attention like uh, Lincoln Street Woodworks. Mm-hmm. right? We, and it's easy to look at these guys and then think, I can do it. The thing is like for every one of those is successful. There's a thousand people trying that are just falling on their face. There is a, a, you can and learn it and they'll help teach you, but there's also just a finesse and and talent for it. You know, not everyone can be a Lincoln street woodworks or bourbon moth or um, black forest that just, you know, does what everyone else does, but just different enough and knows how to just be sexy enough on that title and thumbnail to get the attention, to get the click to get them into the good video. Well, yeah. like if you look at our previous host, Morley, like he spent, I think he quit his job like three years before he got a, a video that popped off. that got a million views on YouTube. Like it yeah. took him a long time to, and a lot of iterations and in reality. And it took him like one day he decided I'm going to do a video every day until I get this. And I think that's what like really like, you know, really like drove it home. I, to do this, I need to put a hundred percent effort. I need to like sacrifice everything in my life in order to get there. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of get the sort of feeling that 
instead of making content creation your job and then commissions as a side hustle, it should be the other way around where you should make the commission business first and then make the content creation your side hustle. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the pivot I'm making as soon as this stupid pool is done. You know, I'm going to revamp my commission <laughs> website, maybe put some ad dollars behind it. Uh, any content I do will have plans associated. And um, I recently got a Onefinity Elite uh, that has got me excited about CNC stuff again. I've been doing some CNC projects. So pretty much anything you see content wise for me is going to be uh, have some type of plan or STL or, or something attached from it because uh, I don't know how real you guys get with, with uh, numbers, but I'm always happy to be transparent. I feel like not talking numbers doesn't it. make sense if you want, because that, that's what everyone needs to know to make decisions. But we always hide, hide the secret sauce, right? The one thing everyone needs to know, no one talks about. Um, <laughs> Right. So the last 10 videos I've done, and I, I like to do this uh, every once in a while to just make myself feel really horrible about my life decisions. <laughs> but I spent about $2,400 in filming and editing in my last um, 10 videos, and they have netted me or grossed. Well, they, yeah, they grossed me $580. And half of that oh, was wow. from one of them that did pretty well. So my last 10 videos have cost me. Uh, I forget the math on that. Like eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah. So my last ten videos lost me two grand. Yeah. Well. And if you go back twenty and thirty, it's really not any different. And so that that's the reason for my pivot. And it's one of those like fine and uh went to Workbench Con this year and got a lot of really good information and kind of took a new direction, cleaned up some stuff, went back and have been taking a different approach with my titles and thumbnails. And I've been very happy that I've been able to like increase my average view about fourfold. And when you do that and realize that, Oh great. Instead of making like $10 on a video, I'm making 50 and I pay 200 to have this edited. <laughs> Why am I doing yeah. this? This is not a business. <laughs> yeah. This is a really expensive hobby. Right. Yeah. Um, so and you have, yeah. and, and we're talking like you have 156,000 subscribers. Yeah. I'm not a small channel. I, I have right, several million view videos, or I have quite a few videos in the hundreds of thousands of views. And, and that's the things that like, it turns into a numbers game and YouTube. I feel like they're really, really good at this and knowing like when you're almost out of hope and then just being like, let's give them a little juice on that one. <laughs> Like, let's yep. let's make that to me. So like, Ooh, let's juice that one <laughs> right like you're like you know what because uh I, i'm uh, one of the biggest compliments i've ever been paid was by my wife I, I forget what the deal was but it was a prompt but she said you know i'm i've always been impressed by you because if you want something anything you want you will into into being <laughs> like you say we're going to do the craziest stuff that I don't believe. And you just will it into being. And, uh, you know, so I've been really resistant to pivot, right. Which is always the question, especially in, in, just in life, let alone self-employment, but I guess just life is, you know, it's like, man, we just, how much easier would things be if you have a crystal ball to know, okay. Am, am I, you know, the lazy quitter that just isn't seeing this through or the dumbass that doesn't realize he should have already quit. Right. <laughs> you know, like, well, that, that like am I the guy question. lacking persistence to make it to success <laughs> or the dumbass that doesn't know when it's time to throw in the towel and do something different? Uh, and and yeah. this time I finally, you know, I've been crunching the numbers hard for a few years. So yeah, definitely making a pivot on content. I'm going to focus more on commissions. Content's not going away. I just, you know, it, it is, it is a business, not a charity. I run for people's entertainment. So I need to make a profit on it. So I've noticed, I've been following you for a long time. 
and I've noticed you've you've pivoted from a lot of projects to a lot of like uh like information videos and how to like like get into woodworking videos and stuff like that. And I I I'll be honest, I miss the project videos. They're everyone like says project videos are dead, and I go project videos aren't dead. People don't know how to package them properly. Yes, it's hard to package them, and they take a lot more time and a lot more money. Right, and yeah, I tough, but. I think that's like, did you get big? What look at your biggest videos? Are they project videos or are they stupid tool review videos? Cause they probably are stupid tool uh, review. Yeah. I haven't done many stupid tool review videos. Here's the thing. Um, <laughs> there's several ways to break this down. I love getting into numbers and doing analytics and not like, Oh, the YouTube analytics, but actually diving into them, compiling them all and then seeing what's, what's valuable. Right. And that was one of my pivots. Cause like I said, my hard headedness and want to be persistent and, you know, will my way to success through, through yeah. my, you know, superior intelligence or whatever. Um, one of the things I noticed is that when I took an aggregate and I categorized my videos based off say projects, and then I might break that into like shop projects, home projects, beginner projects versus what I would call, um, uh, informational content. So not necessarily how to, but more knowledge focus. Like, oh, if you were right. to walk into Woodshop 101, here's like the first five classes you would probably have, you know, table saw safety, dust collection mistakes. But then how do we package right. that? So, you know, how do we package this so it's sexy and people are going to click? Well, the two biggest ways to get people to click is make them have a question that they have to have answered or make them afraid, right? So like one great, and well, I'm going ahead of myself. When... I broke my video down to those categories and then started looking at where my top performers are. I, I realized that by proportion, my informational content averaged far better than mm. my project videos. So it's like, yeah, by and large, like my big hitting videos are project videos, but they represent half a percent of my project videos, but my right. steady videos. Right. So if I look at the top and then like the, Oh, here's, half of my viewership, but spread over a larger video base. That's all my informational content, right? right? And then all the dead videos are, you know, half the informational and the other 99% of project videos. But when you <laughs> see that, it makes more sense to be like, okay, well, I can keep throwing projects at the wall, try to get better at packaging them, but I'm killing myself on how long it takes, how much more expensive it is to edit or to edit myself. And then all the material and stuff that goes into it, or I can just, you know, take an hour, do an outline, spend two or three hours in the shop recording an informational video, you know, and then throw it out there. And on average, it does better. So that was one of my pivots when I was like, okay, how can I try to save my channel? Because I got to figure out a new approach or can it and move on and grant like you can. That was that was one pivot. And then projects still get sprinkled in especially if it's a home project. Um, mm -hmm. And pretty much over the last few years, you'll notice that there's far more home projects and less commission projects because that's also brought in a lot of joy back to the process for me is being able to get in the shop and not run the camera because yep. it really does. It doesn't double. It doesn't quadruple. I say it makes, especially filming myself, takes me five to six times longer because not only is it just adding all the camera things, it's all the extra time you have to stop and think about, not just I'm making this thing, What's the story? How am I making the story? Am I getting the right things? And uh, I've been doing this long enough to realize I don't want to just record 30, 30 hours of content because now I'm definitely never going to make my money back on this video whenever I send it to my editor. And not only is he going to be like, you know, well, thanks for giving me a week worth of stuff just to review. What the hell do I make out of it? Right. right. 
You know, you you can't yeah. just pile, give someone a big pile of garbage and say, hey, I gave you enough that there's got to be a good story in here. Go find it, Miner. <laughs> right? Like, that's yeah, that, that's not viable. And, I, you know, I don't have editors that want to do that or are into woodworking enough to be able to go find that story anyways. Um, See, so yeah, that, that was uh, one pivot I went through. But to, you know, attract attention, you either got to hit people with a question they have to have answered or make them afraid. A little bit. I found those to be the two strongest motivators to get a click. And right. I hate so, this, but I've learned that that's a great way to get clicks. So for example, one of my first um, instructional videos that caught off really well was, is how to make a flat tabletop. Right. But I didn't say for best tabletop tips or how to always make a tabletop, how to make the best tabletop. I said four common panel mistakes. Because if right. I say, oh, I'm going to give you 10 tips, everyone's going to think, oh, yeah, I've watched 30 10 tip videos on how to make a table. He's got all the same tips. Whatever. I don't care if I miss a tip. But if I tell you, here's the four mistakes everyone makes, we're going to think I can think of five. But what if he's got one I don't know? That's why I watched. <laughs> I've got, oh, what, but what if there's one I don't know? What, what if, the, and, and they don't, they're not always perfect. So there's something I'm not doing right. Maybe he'll finally have that nugget that I keep screwing up. Right. So it doesn't, when I say make him afraid, it doesn't have to be negative, but when you hit that, that fear factor, right. And we know this well-established my minor with psychology, right. Um, people are far more afraid of losing something they have than gaining something they don't. So I can get you in a video far more by convincing you something that there's something in here you're missing that's messing things up than I'm going to give you some nugget you've never had before. It's so funny you say that. I watched a video this morning and it was a motorbike channel and the guy, that it was called five things that you shouldn't do on the highway. Literally all five of them I knew, right? Oh, yeah. And it was like riding in the blind spot of cars and stuff. But every time he did one, I'm like, surely the next one I'm not going to know. And I watched <laughs> the whole video thinking that I was going to learn something. Yeah. But there but here's the, here's the awesome thing, right? Is you finish that video, thought, well, that was kind of a waste of time, but I fucking aced it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, you know what? That's a crazy thing I've never even thought about. I aced it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that is the psychology I have never yeah. once thought about. But I exactly. He did another video. Yeah. I bet I'm going to ace it too. But all these other yeah. dumbasses don't. I'm so much better than them. It's like, yeah. But it, oh it's, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's actually so true because like, because yeah. while I'm watching it, I'm thinking like, yeah, that's, oh, I already yeah. do that. Like, do people not do that? Like, it's just common sense, right? Like, oh, but you've I'm seen actually a pretty good writer. Like, I'm a, oh, I must, I must be good. Yeah, but you've seen people Shit. not do those things and then you feel superior because yeah. you're reminded. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 Crazy. So, you know, like, oh, that one guy scary. when I was, you know, 19, he about ran into me because he didn't check his blind spot. And I was there. Everyone else check your blind spot. That's right. But I've never done that. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. We got this. Yeah. yeah. I'm not that guy. So, yeah. you know who else is superior? You. Our Patreon, Patreon supporters. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, so, I want to thank especially our F clamp level. And I think F clamps are like parallel clamps. But uh, maybe we got to have another level above F clamps. Because I saw in your latest uh, video that you you were using F clamps instead of your parallel clamps, and you've sold all your bar clamps, Caleb, and uh, you were like, F clamps aren't very good at doing glue ups, and I was like, that's all I use. Um, it hurt me, but I think it worked. F clamps were the best. It worked. Mm -hmm. I saw you yeah. did fumble with them quite a bit, mm -hmm. and I went, "You're just in, you're just haven't used them enough. Mm -hmm. You got too mm -hmm. used to parallel clamps." Did I did. Uh, 
Yeah. So I want to especially thank our F-Clamp level supporters, uh, Vincent Ferrari from Digitally Creative, Scott from Dad It Yourself DIY, Joe Herdina, Rich from Loan Designs, and David Wood from DW Wood Builds. Uh, they all get access to the pre-show where we had a great conversation with Caleb, and they're going to have access to the after-show. We're going to have a, an even better conversation, uh, so join in there. I also wanted – in the last couple episodes, I talked about we're going to be going to a monthly subscription instead of a per-creation subscription, but Patreon has turned that feature off between switching, and they're apparently working on a way to, to introduce uh, changing from uh, from per-creation to monthly, and I don't know. Anyways, I've also messaged Jack Conti and said, "Hey, you want to come on the show?" And if if he comes on, I'll uh, I'll explain to him how this is ridiculous that I can't switch. But uh, they all get access to the pre-show, after-show. They also get access to the Discord server. Uh, everyone gets access to the Discord, but we have a Patreon exclusive chat that we do there every month. And you all get a leather keychain uh, made by myself, and you can find all that at Patreon.com/clamp. And one other thing I wanted to mention is that we are going to be raising funds for us to all meet together in uh, either uh, Maker Camp or uh, Maker Central uh, because Maker Central makes more sense for it's more central to uh, Australia and U.S. and Canada. But Maker Camp might be a thing in October or Maker Central next year in May. And if you guys all want to see us in person, Sign up there, and that'll help us, uh, you know, fund those trips because it is not cheap to leave your house. No, nope. <laughs> not at all. Also, quickly before we move on, our next hangout on Discord is yes. on the seventh, seventh at nine PM Central Time. Yes, right. Nine PM yep. Eastern. PM Eastern. Right? Eastern. 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 Sorry. Yeah. What? Sorry. Eleven. So that's eleven AM on the eighth in Australia. Sydney time. So if you sign up to Patreon before then, you can get access to our next hangout. Yes. So you sign up on Patreon. Three days after this comes out. If you go on the Discord, it tells you the time that your time zone is in. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So if you go on the Discord, you can find that. That's handy. Uh, but I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying you have time to sign up to Patreon before the next hangout. Yes. If you listen to this on the first day, it's out. Yeah. And, yes. I, and with that, on to Clampmendations. Clampmendations. Um, Caleb, do you want to go first or do you want to go last? Um, yeah, That's sure. The first time he's actually done that, uh, <laughs> that actual. I got it all set up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, since I've already established, I don't really watch YouTube. Um, I just finished, my wife and I finished the finale of Succession last night oh, on yeah. HBO yes. Max. And oof, if you haven't started that show, it is amazing, and I think I was most pleased. Now, this is the first show I've watched. I don't know how long that the ending did not make me cringe. Like, wow, you just punted that one to the intern in the middle of a strike and didn't care how it ended, did you? Like, wow, way to just let <laughs> everyone down on, on the worst ending. Like, it actually wrapped up very good. It was so fitting and just, yeah, succession. Fantastic show. If you have HBO Max, go watch it. Cool. Uh, I'm also going to recommend a TV show, TV show documentary on Netflix called McGregor forever. Um, it's pretty, it's a four part series about Conor McGregor. And like, I always thought McGregor was an absolute prick, but watching this documentary, like he's such a genuine person that actually was just so happy to fulfill his dreams. 
And like it was, it's just very inspirational. Yeah, he is. He is an amazing fighter. But I, yeah, his his uh, ring persona is not one I enjoy for sure. But it, but it is an act. He's so talented. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. an act. Oh yeah, and they're yeah. they're finally getting a little honest about that too. Some people getting upset about you don't talk about the business. You never talk about the business. Like uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's WWE now. Like maybe, maybe not all rigged, but yeah, it's 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 showbiz, baby. Yeah. Yeah, if you watch the documentary, like, in real life, he's such a genuine person. Like, he's really, he seems like a really nice guy. So, uh, for mine this week, I am recommending a maker that specializes in historic fashion and beauty. Her name is Mm. Bernadette Banner. I love watching her videos because she does really deep dives into the history of garments, reconstructs the garments. She does almost all of her sewing by hand, which is really impressive. I mean, it takes days to do one piece for her. Like, you know, maybe it'll just be like the front bodice piece of a dress and it'll literally be three days of hand sewing. Um, And she also doesn't use... A motorized sewing machine. She has one with a foot pedal, like one of the old singer ones. And so it's really nice nice to watch her sew with that. I had one of those growing up and it was so much fun. Um, So yeah, if you're interested in history and women's fashion and, you know, the sort of weird stuff we used to put on our face and in our hair, it's, it's a very good, good channel to go down a rabbit hole on. That sounds like Arctic. This looks like the Instagram of someone that works on like the set of Handsmaid's Tale or something. Right? That's hectic. She's amazing. It's, yeah, her work is just beautiful. Yeah, that's sick. Well, I'm going to recommend everyone go check out Other Dog Designs. He's a former guest on the podcast, and uh, he has recently been finally actually posting some of the amazing 3D prints that he makes. Uh, And, uh, you know, I wish I'd said something about it in the last episode where we talked about 3D printing a lot. (laughs) But he is uh, he has taken 3D printing to a place well beyond most people can do. Uh, and and he's finally actually posting about it, so you can actually go check out what he's making. And it is it is like honestly amazing what he can take. Uh, you know, he can put his little Prusa and his his carbon printers, and uh, it's just it blows me away when he posts uh, something. So go check him out. So now we're going to go into the ask us anything. And this question comes from us from uh, DW Woodbuilds. And what is your most used hand tool? And uh, I'm going to throw that one to Caleb first. What is your most used hand tool, Caleb? Uh, probably my hand hammer. Just when I hit yeah. things with my hand instead of grabbing <laughs> a hammer. Um, <laughs> anything. Oh my God, Jesse, Jesse lost her drink there. <laughs> <laughs> Now I have a name for what my partner does all the time. <laughs> <laughs> just, we just hit something. Yeah, it's the hand hammer. I just like. put it until it works. <laughs> so I guess I should grab a mallet and like just need to bump it a little bit. Um, shoot, no, that's a good question. Uh, probably, man, so many like combination square or try or or just carpenter square or plain. Hard to pick. Like I'd say the four I probably use most: combination square, marking knife a chisel, a block plane. Like okay. I just grab. it's hard to pick like, those four. Like they stay in my apron. Now that I have an apron from um, leather by dragonfly. Amazing. Beautiful thing. If you looking for an apron, they do great work, but yeah, those live in my apron and I'm just always, always grabbing one or the or normally in sequence, you know, <laughs> to do something. 
Nice. Caleb, is that a frog or something, or are you currently on the set of Squid Game? Uh, I promise it's a frog and not me because I am outside. <laughs> right. I'm like, someone's got a siren going off or there's something broken. Yeah, no, I'm in, I'm in North Mississippi. There's definitely a tree frog, so I will, I will hit mute when I stop talking. No, that's right fine. No, 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 it's nice. Leave it. Leave it. Leave it. It's, it's good. good to know that that is where it's coming from. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the mystery uh, sound was my mic. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would say, so my most used hand tool uh, is probably uh, a speed square. If I were to like be honest and I, if I was not being honest, it would be like a hand, like a block plane, but I don't think that's honest. <laughs> if you that's the one I'd like fancy. to say. Yeah. That's the one I'd like to say, but I, I know it's not true. I know I grab it like often, but like, I know I'm grabbing my speed square all the time. Like just a cheap Stanley uh, yeah. speed square. I, I don't really use many hand tools. I mean, my hands are tools, right? So can I say hands? No, hand hammer. I'd say my most my most used hand tool would definitely be my Japanese pull saw. Like if I need to cut oh, yeah. something quick, it's I grab that saw. I'll, I'll I'll grab that saw before I get any mechanical saw out because it's so it cuts so quick. I don't unless mm-hmm. I'm unless I'm cutting a lot, I'm not going to go through the effort of setting stuff up. Mm-hmm. Same. I think a lot of people don't realize how quick hand saws are once you learn how to use them. And yeah. uh, they're really not hard. Like in, in about 10 minutes, you can get so much better with a hand saw. I've got a video on it, by the way, if you want to know. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you, and if you've only got to do like one cut, most of the time, like a hand saw is way faster than setting up anything. M- machines only speed things up when you're batching. Like, yeah. yes. So if you're not going to do it 10 times, just, just grab a hand tool. Yeah. Or if you need that perfect cut. Yeah. And want to spend the time wow. setting it up. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I think... Honestly, it's probably a clear quilting roller. I use those for everything, not just sewing, like for drawing and setting up perspective or for like, yeah, even like making lines where I'm like trying to make plans and trying to divide the page of my scribbles. Like, I think I probably reach for that the most or even hanging curtains, doing stuff around the house. I always have that thing out just because it's, I don't know. It's so much easier to make markings with a clear quilting roller. I don't know why. (laughs) That reminds me, I have a six inch rule that stays in the top of my apron. And actually that might be my most used tool because I grab that thing all the time for any measurement under six inch, which happens all the time, just doing tiny setups or checking something or the thickness of a material or the size of a joint or, you know, small setups on the table saw or just nudging something over. Like, yeah, that six inch rule gets used all the time. You know what? Now thinking about it, my uh, my Swiss Army knife is what I grab ah, the most. There you go. Out of my pocket. I use it. So the other day in my office, uh, they had set up like this like keyboard tray, but I don't like keyboard trays underneath the like desk. Um, and the it was sticking out like an eighth of an inch. And I was like, this is bullshit. Why is it sticking <laughs> out? So I pulled my Swiss Army knife out and I unscrewed all the screws. And I drilled new holes with the Swiss Army knife because I couldn't just like my with the Swiss Army knife I didn't have the leverage to just screw them in. So I used this the the drill part of the Swiss Army knife, screwed them back in uh, an eighth of an inch in, yeah. and and now I don't catch myself on the stupid keyboard tray anymore. Nice. And I definitely like they were installing stuff with a drill, but I didn't want them to come over. Like I could have just like they had a drill like two cubicles away. 
but I just did it by myself because I don't, I didn't want to have to t- tell them like you fucked up. And hey, can I fix your shit job? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, being a man, note, suffer I'm, through it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I want to thank TF Turning for the theme song. I want to thank uh, Caleb for coming out. If you want to tell everyone, where's the best place to find you on the internet? Uh, the internet, yes. I'm comfortable talking about where to find me there. That would be YouTube <laughs> at You Can Make This Too or Instagram at You Can Make This Too or Facebook at You Can Make This Too. And uh, you can also go look at all the tweets I've never posted on Twitter at You Can Make This Too. <laughs> and if they wanted to get like custom furniture, the custom furniture guy, make sure it's, and I'm not like the, but when I say the, I think people forget the, when you say the, so yeah, the custom furniture guy, Instagram, yeah. Facebook, and yeah, which is hilarious. Cause, uh, you know, Instagram serves us up stuff and it seems like I'm really bad about posting as I talked about. So whenever I post some of my commission work on custom furniture guy, inevitably someone in the community is like, Hey, jackass, Caleb over, you can make this too made that you're ripping off his shit. And I'm like, <laughs> it's me, Pete. It's okay. Oh, it's me. That's awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, yep. and we're going to head on over to the out show, out show, the after show. Uh, <laughs> see you guys all there.